Hello, and welcome to this episode of Triggered and True, featuring renowned emotional health consultant, Laura Duncan. Thank you for being here, and thank you for investing the time to learn how to take care of your soul. If this podcast sparks any questions, feel free to submit a question by going to triggeredandtrue.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page, and clicking ask. If you would like to learn more about Laura Duncan, we encourage you to follow Laura on Instagram and Facebook. Also, a great resource for you to consider is the Compassion Method Master Course. This course is a deep dive into Laura's life work, the Compassion Method. The Compassion Method is a process that empowers you to learn to see and comfort your internal pain and to discover your true self, your true self, that beautiful, wonderful part of you that has been there all along, but has simply been covered up. To obtain the Master Course, go to CompassionMethod.net and as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount that can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. In this episode, we're going to be talking about who you are is not what you do. In life, most people tend to look at themselves through the lens of what they do, good or bad. And we're going to kind of talk a lot about that today. We're going to talk about judgment. We're going to talk about the golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated. And we're going to give you some great homework at the end that you can apply to your own life. So strap in and get ready for one heck of an exciting episode. Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Triggered and True. Laura, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited for us to be able to share today. I thought for the listeners to get just a little more perspective, and I'm surprising you with this. I didn't prep you on this ahead of time. <laughs> That's okay. Um, just share one exciting thing going on in your life right now. One exciting thing. Wow. I'm on the spot. Um, let's see. One exciting thing. It can be work-related. It can be personal. It can be whatever anything. Definitely not prepared for this, but there's exciting things. Um, so let's see. Um, I think work-related, even though, I mean, I have personal things too, is um, I'm just excited that we're growing so much with the compassion method. It's really exciting to hear people specifically it's always been kind of fun people from other countries listening to the podcast or mm -hmm. connecting to the course or connecting to any other thing services that we you know offer but like um being able to hear people that i've never met that have no point of familiar contact meaning that when i first started it felt like anyone that came to me it was it was first like friends and then friends of a friend and then friends of a friend you, know? you could so trace you kind of, how they found you yeah really yeah if yeah. i asked the question mm -hmm. how do you hear about me they heard about me from somebody that i know and so they still feel connected to the people that I know. And I'm finding more and more as um, we're able to share this with more people that they're people that have no connection whatsoever with myself or anyone that I know. And they're finding the podcast, or they're finding resources and they're connecting to it. And then the testimonies and the feedback of how it's impacting them. I just think it's really amazing that um, that's happening. That's actually really exciting for me. I didn't even actually mean to connect it to um, the podcast, but I literally like two days ago, someone was asking me, what's your most exciting thing about work? And that was my most exciting thing. That's cool. You know, I, I agree with that. One of the things that's always fun for me is when, um, you know, when people put in a question and they said, well, I've listened to every single podcast and now I'm going through the second time 
Yeah. Yeah. And they're like really taking this as a, you know, the podcast series as just an organized teaching that's helping them walk through and learn and just how much they're able to to glean from that. And then some of the questions they ask, you can always tell by the questions, how much, how deep are they wanting to go? Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. And there's been some deep questions that really kind of moves my heart a little bit to be like, wow, this is really like being applied and taking to heart. And I'm just really impressed with people's hunger and desire to learn more about the compassion method, but ultimately more about themselves through the compassion method. And it just reiterates more and more what we always know, like every human being is carrying pain. Yeah. Every human being is coming up with ways to manage that pain. Mm-hmm. And the ways people manage the pain are like just infinite number of ways. But the way you actually get healing from the pain is to go back to it instead of try to manage it, actually mm-hmm. go through it, apply comfort, learn yeah. how to apply comfort, learn how to apply compassion, learn how to get your needs properly met. And all of yeah. a sudden that pain isn't so scary anymore and it doesn't need to be managed Mm-hmm. I know that's one of my favorite things about the compassion method. It's not a management process. It's a deep restoring process that allows you to naturally be who you are once that pain's comforted. I was talking to somebody the other day and just going through the lists of all of the ways they manage. Like they didn't even know they were going, they mm-hmm. didn't even know they were giving me a list, but like all the things they've tried, all the things they're doing. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, that's exhausting. No, it really is because it's you can't exhausting. keep it up forever. No matter how self-disciplined you are, you can't maintain it forever because it's manual. It doesn't automatically well, happen. Sadly, though, I actually think they can kind of keep some people. That's true. Can, some people are really good at it. Well, they can manage it for their whole earthly life. Yeah. And that's then true. I'm like, you miss so much of life. You do. You so do. much energy. For sure. Went yeah. It's to not about pain. Staying yeah. stuck necessarily, even though we do feel stuck, it's bigger than that. It's not being able, like you said, to enjoy our lives because we're so busy managing pain that we never actually get to take care of it. And I'm still busy. <laughs> so busy. We just keep managing it. I'm still so busy. Subconscious too. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still not applying it everywhere. I'm still yeah. busy. I'm still finding new places, yeah. new avenues. And that'll be, that'll be the exciting thing is that I'm, uh, I'm much more aware. Uh, from working through this process with you. So definitely. Well, today's topic is related to kind of a a popular saying you have, but the Mm -hmm. title of the podcast is what you do is not who you are. Yeah. And you have a saying that says what you do matters, but you matter more. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's always fun. I've heard you say this, like when, uh, when you first introduce someone, what do they automatically like, how do you describe people? A lot of times people describe themselves based on what they do. Exactly. Like, so yeah. You want to share a little more on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's commonly even going back to childhood. When you ask a child, who are you? They usually even say what they're doing, but it gets worse and worse as we get older, where our identity is wrapped up in what we do. And it can be very pronounced when you're in, um, you know, religion or Christianity, that what you do determines who you are. And also in the workplace in any area that we are thinking that this is what we do, especially if you found a level of success in something that makes you feel better about yourself, then you're going to be, 
emphasizing that as your identity because you feel so good about what you do. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel good about what we do. It's good to celebrate yourself and have accomplishments. But if that's my whole identity and that's what I do determines who I am, it's always going to be subject to, you know, being able to do those things in order to maintain your value. Yeah. I read a book once about a man that was a doctor and got a lot of identity from being a doctor. And then when he, um, I think he was a surgeon too. And then as he got older, he developed something where his hand was shaking really bad and he could no longer be a surgeon. And the son describing just how much I, you know, like he wasn't a yeah. person, he wasn't a full person anymore. Wow. In yeah. his mind. Cause he mm-hmm. was getting so much identity from being a surgeon, but yeah. now he can't. Yeah. You know, and that was like classic, like he doesn't know who he is. He thinks being a surgeon is who he is. Yeah, exactly. That's just how he expresses. That's just one of the ways he expresses. Mm -hmm. That's how you would say, right? One of the many ways that he could express who he is. That just happened to be the most popular and the most fulfilling and the most satisfying. But at the end of the day, he has so many other ways that he could express himself. And that was just one of them. So let's break down your 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 quote that you say very often, what you do matters, but you matter more. Can you just elaborate a little more on that? Yeah. So it actually started from the basis of shame. So shame says what you do is who you are. So we talked just now about someone doing something like being a surgeon, which is an amazing thing that and that man was able to do. So we look at the good things, but more often than the good ways that we see ourselves, we usually see ourselves through the lens of shame. And lens of shame says what I do, good or bad, is who I am. And when we live like that, it hinders compassion because shame is in um, shame keeps us from being able to apply compassion. So the only way to actually access compassion rather than shame is to be more connected to who we are and who others are than what we do or what they do. And so that's kind of the core, if compassion, the compassion method, if compassion is one of the core healing agents in the compassion method, then shame is in direct defiance of compassion. So being able to teach people and help people understand that, well, what they do does matter. That's why I say it that way. Our actions matter. What we do matters, but we matter more. And that begins the journey of discovering who we are. Because if you say that and a person doesn't know who they are apart from what they do, then they can't honestly say that. So what most people are saying, if they have some level of self-confidence or some self-awareness, they're usually saying, um, I matter, but what I do matters more. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to flip it so that we can honestly say that, not just because I'm saying that's the right way to think, but that we actually believe it to be true about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely see how. You know, the example I used before was someone, you know, being a surgeon seen as a positive thing. Yeah. But imagine if you were uh, uh, committed some sort of a crime or had had made some horrible mistake. Yeah. And And I find that so strongly with people that have struggled with um, sexual addiction or any addiction as, you know, they're so stuck in the addiction, trying to medicate the pain. But they, the biggest problem is if they just saw it as an addiction, but they didn't see it as their identity they would be more easily able to overcome that addiction. But the sad part about it is when it's drugs or um, porn or any of those types of things, when you have those things happening, people start to believe that that is literally who they are. Yeah. And if it's who you are, you can't change it. You can change what you do, but you can't change who you are. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fair time to think about this in terms of uh, judgment. 
So like, yeah. judgment has kind of a, judgment itself is kind of a trigger word, like judging yeah. others. And yep. um, kind of when we get into this, you know, especially people that, you know, you've talked about, uh, about your little bit of your upbringing, like you always did the right thing. Yeah. So like if someone did the wrong thing, and then you kind of came with a teaching, like, you know, what you do matters, but you matter more. You're like, <laughs> you're excusing what they did. <laughs> yeah. It feels How like can you do that? It. Yep. And, that, yeah. and it always feels like you're saying that it's okay, that it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And it's kind of like judgment. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a trigger word for people. Like you're not supposed to judge others and so yeah. on and so forth. But the reality is, is that it's really kind of uh since it's trigger, people aren't, you know, they're in their fight or flight part of their brain around the word a lot of times. Yeah. So why don't you just break down how you view judgment and what it really is yeah. and how we're actually judging all the time. And yep. that's a good thing. We always are. Exactly. But the difference between what people sometimes think mm-hmm. of judgment versus your version of judgment. Yeah, exactly. So when I'm judging behavior, but I'm not judging a person, um, that's actually very important to be able to know that, you know, we teach our kids to use good judgment. That means that they learn right Don't from wrong. Don't get in the car learn, with the stranger. <laughs> exactly. From a if very someone's young acting age. really strange in public, maybe go the other direction. Exactly. That's a judgment. Yep. Those are all judgments that are actually protecting us and protecting others because we're able to use good judgment to be able to take care of ourselves. And so judgment is not meant to have a negative connotation to it. It's actually meant to be a safeguard that actually keeps us safe and helps us discern and know what we're meant to be doing in this world. But because of our pain, when you put pain plus judgment equals condemnation, shame, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, those words are what end up being connected to judgment when we filter it through our pain. And that's why even when like even judging what you do matters, but you matter more. When people get that upset about it, so you, you're just saying what people can just go around doing whatever they want, hurting anyone they want, it doesn't matter. And I'm always like, nope, it does matter. Absolutely. But that feeling that we get, even sometimes with this very phrase, is coming from we were judged for what we did. Nobody saw us. Our caregivers didn't see us for who we are. So whatever I didn't receive, I'm going to be as harsh or harsher with myself and others in that area because I didn't receive that. The people that are judging from pain are going to have the biggest cases against others where those that are judging with love don't keep record of wrong. Even though they see record of wrong, they don't hold on to record of wrong. But when we lack love because we're seeing life judgment through pain, then we're not able to let go of that record of wrong. We're not able to let go of punishment. We're not not able to let go of trying to get the person to suffer because of what they did and how it hurt us. And almost all people that we judge has a personal wound connected to it. Well, you talk about it as a mirror image. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So expound on that. Like, so if, if, yep. You know, I guess this ties to me also to the golden rule. You know, we yes. want to tr- we want to treat others the way we treat ourselves. Yep. Okay. Or we desire to be treated 
But the reality is, is that when we're judging harshly, the mirror images, that's also how we're, we treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we actually are doing the golden rule, but not in the positive right. way that it's meant to be communicated to love. We're actually treating other people the way we judge and treat ourselves. Yeah. So that mirror image is whatever's within me that I haven't settled, that I haven't taken care of, I'm going to see within you. And I'm going to want it to stop inside of you so that it can relieve my pain in that same area. Uh, for example, if homosexuality is a difficult topic for you because you haven't dealt with your sexuality or you were teased for your sexuality or you, you know, whatever it is that you had a connection to, when you see somebody else in homosexuality, it's not just going to be about is it right or wrong? It's going to have the, the pain judgment connected to it. And you're going to want to codependently have that person stop their homosexual behavior so you can be okay because their behavior shines a light on your behavior or your inner world, your pain. Even if it has nothing to do with homosexuality, it's still going to be connected to what's going on inside of you. And it could be the reverse too of someone that is against, let's say, homosexuality Mm -hmm. and you judge them harshly because that's coming from some sort of a pain inside of you as well. Exactly. Yeah. And you can kind of see those polarized sides that, you know, you're trying, you're not either okay with it or you are okay with it because of your own pain. And -hmm. that's not necessarily you deciding what is true for you. It's coming from that pain, which ultimately at the end of the day, we're not able to love. And whether it's right or wrong, love is what we're, we're meant to walk in. We're meant to love others the way that hopefully as we take care of our inner world, we love ourselves. That means that you could love anyone, even if you don't agree, even if you don't believe the same things, you could still love if you didn't have your own pain happening within you in that subject. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We live in a very polarized landscape. We've talked Mm -hmm. about some of the reasons for why that is and whether that be politics or whatever topics, uh, just kind of the way the media is fed to us. It tends to drive us to tends to drive people to some significant extremes based on their interpretation, which is again, always our internal world. Yeah. But I really like that that mirror image thing, how we judge others is a reflection of how we're treating ourselves. And what you yeah. talked about at the beginning, you said when you have that temptation to judge severely, that's coming from a place of pain yeah. that, and you used one example of you were judged severely in that area. Mm-hmm. You felt that judgment. Yeah. You feel that pain and you want to displace that because it's mm-hmm. kind of like blame. Judgment becomes yeah. blame. It's just yeah. like, it's like, it's like blame, uh, as it's worked its way all the way through all the steps, like mm-hmm. yep. full blown blame. Like I'm going to dump all this over there, judge oh, yeah. them harshly. Cause I'm going to somehow feel better. Cause well, if they're a little... it makes us feel like we're, we are better. You know, if we can judge them harshly, it makes us feel like we're not as bad. It's the same thing when someone says they have it way worse than I do to create gratefulness. It's the same thing of saying they're way worse than I am to make me feel good in the same way. And so being able to make somebody worse unfortunately makes us feel better. And the reason why is because if I'm busy judging you for how bad you are, I don't have to see how bad I feel about myself. Yeah. That I'm still saying what I do, who, what I do matters more than myself. If I'm judging you in that same way. 
Well, to me, it's very ironic and it's kind of really a cool thing that if we really have a heart to fulfill the golden rule, mm-hmm. to treat others the way we desire to be treated, yeah, we have to first treat ourselves mm-hmm. the way we should be treating ourselves yeah. with compassion, yeah, with understanding and then as we treat ourselves that way, a wonderful side benefit, which is, which is the compassion method, because it's hundred percent focused on your heart. Yeah. Cause the compassion method is nothing about how to get your spouse to do a better <laughs> yeah. job. I know a lot of needs. people wish it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, or your kids to, you know, uh-huh. do the dishes or everyone else whatever. to do it. Then we don't have to face ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So the compassion method is 100% designed to help you be the steward and caretaker mm-hmm. of your heart which is the most empowering thing because yeah. you learn that, hey, I can do this. Yeah. The world doesn't have to change. Exactly. For me and to do this. so empowering to know that yes. I can love regardless of another person changing and changing their behavior. And the reason why I say this is and a lot of this is emphasizing like how we treat others. And that's important, of course. But the reason why I want to live knowing that what another person does matters, but they matter more is because it protects my heart from bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Um, Those bitter feelings, they eat at you, whether you ever even express them to another person or not. If you never, for people that aren't, you know, expressive, they're thinking these thoughts all the time and it's eating at them. So whether you ever treat the other person the way we're talking about or not, how you feel about it is actually going to destroy you. So I want to live in a place of love because if I live in a place of love, judgment, love, compassion, care for others, it actually takes care of me. So it's not just how I'm going to treat other person. It actually safeguards my own heart. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a, a further empowering moment when we can learn to separate our own personal behaviors from who we are. Yeah. So that happened for me five years ago or whatever, when I was in your first workshop, I've shared this before, but when I finally volunteered and I stood up and <laughs> I'm standing there and you're like, basically, you know, um, embarrassing me, uh, by, by exposing me, you exposed me. Yeah, so yeah. you exposed me. So it was in a good way, but you, uh, I was describing something and I think I even used the words, I'm a grumpy person. Mm-hmm. And you just looked at me and looked me in the eye. No, you're not. That's not who you are. Yeah. You may act that way when XYZ happens, but it was really just like the way you said it to me. I was like, wow, that's yeah. not who I am. And like in that moment, I was like, I'm not a grumpy person. Mm-mm. This is my response to pain Yeah, that I have not dealt with. Yeah. And there's so many things like that that are habitual. So we start to believe that that's who we are. Yep. Yep. And the people around you sometimes reinforce that. Reinforce but yeah. it, exactly. Yeah. You know, because the, fun, the funny I... part of that is what I shared in my testimony on the podcast times ago was uh, when I was called the fun sucker. <laughs> so they're like, dad's got the straw in his mouth again, <laughs> sucking the fun <laughs> out the of the fun room. Out. <laughs> so, Aww. but I'm like, I'm not really, that's not really who that's I am. The fun sucker. Yeah. No. no and and it, we've seen it come up 
time and time over the yeah. years. I mean, even most recently at your daughter's wedding, how, yeah. you know, and most listeners know that you don't drink, but you're able to still have such a good time and enjoy and celebrate and be connected to the whole yeah. joyful process. Even though we talked about, you know, there's always some sad or hard parts connected to it. You were able to be joyful in that. And that's such a huge testimony because imagine if you still believed you were a grumpy person and you showed up as a grumpy dad to your daughter's wedding Mm -hmm. and like, and you lived up to that expectation and you were grumpy Mm -hmm. at the wedding, how much you would have missed out on versus now you've been able to fully participate and be connected to, you know, and have fun and enjoy and add to it. You know, if I interviewed your um, girls and your wife right now and say, you know, do you think Brian was able to add to the wedding? I guarantee you, they would all agree that you added to it. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. And not just with finances. <laughs> yeah. <true that. laughs> I just <laughs> They're all, so, he added to it. Yeah. <laughs> So like a wonderful side benefit then of separating our behaviors from who we are is that obviously we're going to judge our, ourselves less harshly, but the side benefit is we're going to judge others less harshly, Yeah, you know, and, and our likelihood of seeing other people separate from their behaviors, like who they are versus how they're acting, yeah, like that ability is going to go up and And that whole thing, like, you know, what you do matters, but you matter more. You know, taking that to like even extreme, like someone that has committed, you know, the most horrific of acts that, you know, are worthy of or would qualify in some states of like even the death penalty. As I've learned this more, I've literally, I've really thought a lot more about the death penalty. Like I've never been, I guess I went from you know, kind of like neutral-ish on it, but I've never really been a fan of it conceptually because it felt like just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things why, as I've learned this process, why I really don't like the death penalty is that I don't think that is within our rights as human beings to condemn someone in that way. But that doesn't mean that their actions that they did don't, the consequences oh definitely could be, they deserve they never get out of 100%. prison yeah they can never be trusted in society again yeah but i also would have looked at that before as like well that's the end of their life like how mm-hmm. miserable would that be but now that i know about the compassion method and that this is an inside thing mm-hmm. a person could be their true self okay. behind bars for the rest of their life and they could be a huge contributor to society they could from behind bars Yep. Talk about a fertile mission field. You're in a prison filled with other people. Like your testimony could, like one of my friends that was in prison for uh, nine years, his, when he got out, like he was just, he was bawling as he was telling me this. He's like, he was talking to me about the lifers and how like he got connected more to the lifers that were in prison. And this one guy that was a lifer was up in his sixties. This guy killed a police officer when he was 18. Wow. Like that, that, that kid that was eight, like he's not that kid anymore, no. obviously, you know, no. and he talked about the impact that man had on his life. Wow. And I was like, you know, yeah, there's I don't still pre- value. There's still, there's, still, there's still value. That guy is living his life. Yeah. Expressing his true self behind bars. And like the death penalty to me, like it cuts off a mm-hmm. person's 
opportunity to actually be their true self that can still happen behind bars. And I am a thousand percent realistic that some people could never be trusted back in society again. They never learned boundaries. They never learned how to to behave in a society that's in a healthy way. I mean, everyone wants to go to the extremes to, because it makes us feel safe. Exactly. The extremes, if we can say, well, what about people that have murdered people? Then we can actually say that what you do matters more than you. We want that to be true because of shame. We want that to be true because it makes us feel safe to say, if you do something really, really bad, then you don't matter anymore. But think about it in reverse. Even if I did something really, really wrong, I would still want to matter. I would still want to have some value, some worth, some humanity, even if I did something terrible. And I still feel like every human not deserves isn't the right word, but every human is meant to still have love and connection, even if they did something really, really wrong. Yeah. It's not so much deserves. It's just the grace given to us. Exactly. That's why deserve isn't the right word. It's like unmerited favor, but we've all been given this grace and that grace is a gift. And why can, who are we as humans to take that gift away from someone Not to, not to mention, let's not even mention about how the fact that we're humans and we can make mistakes Mm -hmm. and there's people on death row that were not supposed to be on death row that didn't actually do it. And all the stats about, you know, what what race of people ends up on death row more likely the socioeconomic things can they hire so many factors to it that is at the roots of a lot of what we're talking about today. Um, We kind of, we kind of, like you said, we kind of went off topic a little bit, but not really. We just went to the extremes. Mm-hmm. And, that's yeah. where people and everyone want to wants anyway. to do, does it still, is it still true there? Because at the end of the day, we all want to know based on our own guilt and shame, even if it's the worst, will we still be loved? We're all looking yeah. for that. And that's why we fight against it. That's why we say, but what about the murder? Yeah. Everyone deserves love or deserves grace. 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 Exactly. The grace. Grace has been afforded to everyone. Exactly. The so boundaries it. on it based on people's inability or ability to be able to function in society and to protect society, but there's still ability for redemption. Absolutely. Yeah. This kind of leads to a listener question I think is real pertinent. Um, The listener asks, um, she says, I'm about five podcasts in your content. I'm wondering so far, is our true self supposed to be understood as flawless like if we live there, we'd never do or think or feel anything wrong. And the compassion method is built on a foundation that uh, you've said this to me, and this came up in my notes when I was rereading some of the notes from our one-on-one sessions. You said, we are not working from lack. We are working from perfection. So in that in that end, you're looking at as human being and in in my belief system as being God part of God's creation made in God's image yeah was made perfect yeah original design yeah just because pain came in and distorted the original design doesn't mean that we weren't created in his image which would be perfect that's yep. our created self yep and then we do the crazy things mm-hmm. that we do Yep. And we those all those crazy do. behaviors <laughs> Every that sometimes single human. have horrible consequences. <laughs> those yeah. con- you know, we do those because because of pain mm-hmm. and because of unmet need. Yep. But it doesn't change who we are. 
And that's the thing, like when people yep. try to go find themselves because they've, you know, behaved in certain ways where they feel like they lost themselves. I'm like, it's all still inside of you. It just got covered up by ultimately your perception of yourself based on what you've done or not done. Mm-hmm. But once you as the individual can truly believe that you matter more, all of a sudden you're able to see yourself for who you really are and see with curiosity why we did what we did. And that's what the compassion method is all about, meeting, getting the needs met so that we can actually do that discovery and start to truly live. For A lot of times people for the very for the very first time since they were very, very young. Mm-hmm. I know exactly. And I think about that people a lot, get to start to be yeah. like who they really were and themselves like, again. That's one of the, my favorite things about it. Yes. It's amazing to heal pain and that's the beginnings, but then it's just so cool to see the unveiling of who people are. And we are so much better than we think we are through that lens of shame. Yeah. Now, I had that revelation the other day when uh, a particular thing came up that I don't really enjoy doing. And I was like, going to work myself up to force myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I just, it's just kind of not me. <laughs> like and that's that. just kind of okay. What, which is so important. Like we were yes. having a, a small conversation before we got started about how, like when someone's not on the right seat in the bus, how much it negatively impacts an environment because they're not doing what they were meant to do, which this is such a good example of that. When you stop doing things because you have to do them because it's the right thing to do because you're supposed to do them and you do what is in your heart to do, which would be what's connected to who you are, everything functions the way it's meant to. If everyone did was their truest self and function from that place, Jobs would be more effective. Home life would be more effective. The whole world would be more effective because we weren't all trying to do things because we're supposed to do it to be good people instead of being ourselves. Yeah. But with this, with this process becomes a confidence in who you mm-hmm. are. Like before yeah. you're on shaky ground, like, ah, oh yeah, you don't really know who you are. You don't no. really, you have no confidence in who you are. You have no, no. sense. And based of- on your childhood development, what would happen if you would have said, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> that would not have been acceptable. Not feeling it. You're going. You're doing what? this. Yeah, you're yeah. going exactly. Yeah. And so being able to have the ability to know yourself enough to be able to say that, especially as an adult. Well, and, and one other thing that I want to talk about the so so if we identified that we're working not from lack, like a lot of people think lack, like I need to go get this skill, I need to go get this teaching, I need to go get that so that I can become a complete person. Yeah. Let's let's back up the bus. You're coming from the wrong place. You already mm-hmm. are a complete person. Mm-hmm. You were made a complete person. Yeah. Like all everything is in there. Yep. Okay. It's all in there. So if you come from that standpoint, it's it, it looks different. Like mm-hmm. this desperation to get to the next seminar, to learn the next thing, yeah. to whatever isn't there. It's more of okay, it's there. How do I discover it? And yeah. it becomes that. But within that, you know, there's still a level of personal responsibility. You don't like using the word responsibility. <laughs> you instead use the word privilege. We <laughs> yes, have the privilege, privilege of taking mm-hmm. care of our heart. Yeah. We have the privilege of getting our pain, learning how to comfort our pain. Responsibility is definitely not a bad word at all. But yes. most people, when they think about their hearts and be responsible for their hearts, they look at it as work. And if you're trying to have a love relationship well, I be honest, with your heart, <laughs> I gotta be honest, there is an element of this that's work, especially at first, 
notice. No, yeah. definitely. It's worth There's a lot of work. But it's like if you're in, it would be like getting married and being like, I am, I'm getting married and it's going to be so much work and is marriage work. Yes, it is. So it's not being in denial that it's going to be work, but your main goal was love and work came in to make love happen, but it wasn't your main goal was work. And if you're lucky, you get some love in there. So I think it's the motivation of where it comes from, but I agree with you. It is actually probably the hardest work you're ever going to do emotionally to be able to face our pain. So yes, it is very challenging. It is work in the beginning, especially as you're getting your feet underneath you and getting confident and secure in it. It definitely is, but it's the motivation of the heart that's important. And that's why I reword it as a privilege versus work. Cause otherwise we literally start treating ourselves that way. Oh, great. You're triggered again. How, how often are you going to trigger? We've been doing this for X amount of time and you're still triggering. That's what yeah. work would look like. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's like, um, it's kind of like when people talk about pain, is it, a, is it a pain that feels good? You know, that pain, you know, there's that, there's that kind of pain. That's like, yeah, like working it hurts, out. Yeah. It hurts, but yet, you know, that it's leading to something positive, yep, exactly. but yet it hurts. Yeah. yeah. Working out. It's a great one. Like you're sore yeah. the next morning. You're like, yeah, you're sore, but you know, it's it hurts, producing. but you're like, yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. it feels kind of good too. You know, yep. there is and healthy pain. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And that's kind of what this is. It's, it's that kind of work. Like, yeah, yeah this is going to be hard, but yet you just yep. have that feeling that it's not onerous and a burden. It is truly the privilege. Yeah, it is at the heart of it, but it, there's many days that it feels like work. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, I think maybe more recently I've had the opportunity to work through my own triggers when some other people in my world that need to be doing some more of the work, (laughs) (laughs) taking a little more personal responsibility Mm -hmm. for their well-being, and they're trying to dump it on me. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I have the opportunity now to not receive that dumping. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's true. Because your first response when you have been doing the work is to blame them for not doing the work. Well, then you realize how codependent you are on them being okay. Exactly. I know. I know. It's full so it circle. Just, it just opens up a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> yes, and you find that there's another and way, layer of the back onion to, to us peel. Again. I love okay. it. Workshops where uh, people will bring up like complaining about their kids or their spouse. And then it always comes back to them. This one guy, he had a lot of questions coming mostly from a trigger. Was this state. the garbage? Was this the garbage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was like, this is all. I was like, there at that one. Yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah. He's I like, was at that one. Good. But the trash has to go out. How do you get them to take the trash out? <laughs> then I bring it back to him. Why does it bother you when they don't take the trash out? He's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. But at the end result was really good because he was able to see what was motivating it within himself. But it is funny how it always comes back to us. Yeah. Well, you 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 make sure that it comes back to us, but yeah, it I does. Do. It really truly really does yeah. too. So, all right. So I think a, a good next step would be well number one i guess i'll ask you laura what do you think taking from what we've talked today if someone wanted to say what's my next step how do i take this teaching and take one next kind of simple practical step what could that be so i would take your top judgments the top things you blame people or events or circumstances um the areas you have judgment the areas you have blame the areas you feel shame and be able to take those um, and write a list of them and then take the one phrase we're talking about what you do matters, but you matter more and input it into, let's just say 
I judge my spouse, then being able to say what that person does, what my spouse does matters, but they matter more. And working it through inside of yourself until that's true for you. And what that could look like, if we use that example, is you might have to go back to when your spouse was a child and find a childhood picture of them and look and find who are they separate from what they're doing right now until you can genuinely and authentically say what my spouse does matters, but they matter so much more. And I'm not just talking like, you know, right at the, you know, like, yes, like I matter just a little bit more than what I do, but far surpassing what I do. That spouse matters. I matter. That employee matters. That um, peer matters. So whoever you're judging or whatever you're judging, input that quote into it and then explore the things, the pain that keeps you from being able to authentically say that. One thing I would add to that, I'm actually going to yeah. add something. Good. To, I love it. To Laura. <laughs> I would, I would meet that with the compassion. Yeah. The words of compassion and compassion statements. That's a great idea. So, um, and you share those a lot. Uh, there's a whole section on this in the master course yeah. uh, that you offer, but um, just share some of those compassion statements. Like one of the ones I repeat to myself a lot is uh, um, when I start to judge myself or be harsh on myself about not performance was obviously a protector for me. So like, I see you trying so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I see how hard you're trying to make mm. everything work. Yeah. yeah. That's a that big one for me. helps relieve that pressure. Um, I can tell you care so much. Yeah. Um, take all the time you need. We're always putting a time on it. We're putting time on others, time on ourselves. Take the time you need to be able to feel safe, to be able to feel connected. Um, I don't want to get rid of you. That's such a common thing with what we're talking about today, that when people have bad behavior, um, we want to get rid of them because it makes us feel uncomfortable. So being able to say that to our hearts, I don't want to get rid of you. Um, I think you're brave. We see ourselves as cowardly many times when we're going through this process, because if we could just do the right thing, everything would be fine. And if we're stuck in a cycle that we don't know how to get out of, there's a lot of feeling like we're weak and we're cowards, but being able to say, I see you as brave because it's a very brave process. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great ones. And I think maybe me, even like, I see who you really are too. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, meet those behaviors that you see as negative or positive in yourself and in others with those compassion yeah. statements. Yeah, exactly. I and remember that. that when you're, when you're really wanting to jump on someone else's case, mm -hmm. that's how you also treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you Always aren't going to know it. You aren't going to know it. What we're doing is we're bringing, we're helping you right now bring something from your subconscious to your conscious. Yeah. And we are just telling you factually, like, like a hundred percent, if you're yep. judging someone yep. else harshly in an area, it's within that's how you. you treat yourself. Exactly. Every single time. Every time. Yeah. So find those areas you're judging and, and put the mirror up to yourself so that you can show compassion to those parts of yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to reemphasize every single time. This is, is like, one plus one equals two. This is this, mm -hmm. this is that, you know? Yeah, it's true. It that really true. is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really kind of sets us well for what I'd like to do in our next episode, which is we've talked a lot about in this episode, we talked about a lot about discovery, yeah. you know, who you are, but the next episode, I really want to talk more specifically about, and I'm hopefully this stimulates some thinking oh, yeah, about who you really are. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been working with clients on their true self and I came up with this activity that I'll share in the next um, episode too. A really actually fun interactive activity that really helps um, us see who we are. So we'll be able to highlight that next time too. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to learning about that activity because this sounds like new information. Yeah, I haven't done it for myself yet, but I actually want to because it's not just that I gave it to people, but it's the fruit of what they're um, connecting to and their true self from the exercise. So it'll be really fun to share. Cool. Exciting. Well, now everyone has a lot to look forward to the next episode. So thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, this is an episode that'd be great to listen to uh, several times over and happy applying this to your own life. Yeah. And thank you for joining us. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. We hope that you enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, go to triggeredandtrue.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click ask. And if you would like to learn more about the Compassion Method, be sure to check out the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be purchased at compassionmethod.net. And as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount, which can be obtained by typing in the coupon code podcast. Five zero Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. Thank you again. Goodbye.